Hey, welcome to Creative Reset, the podcast that explores... Oh, wait, hold on. So welcome to Creative Reset, the podcast that looks at the creative journey to help us understand our obstacles and how to go over, under, around, or right through them and reset our creative selves. A quick note before we start this week, if you enjoy listening to the wonderfully creative people like Sarah, who I've got on today, you know, please subscribe, tell a couple people about the show and, and, you know, and listen and, and leave comments and enjoy it. So this week I am talking to Sarah Biedler a tattoo artist in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and it's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you too. I'm glad we're finally connecting. I know, this is good. So how is your weekend going? It's really good. I'm currently staying at my cousin's helping them uncle sit because <laughs> they can't leave him home alone. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's been a nice getaway. Oh, good, good. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what you do. So right now, as you said, I'm a tattoo artist. I am a mural artist. Prior to that, (laughs) prior to the pandemic, I was in working in the kitchen because I went to culinary school and everything. I also figure model. That's something. Yeah. (laughs) Throw me a project. (laughs) We'll talk about all of that. I want to talk about all of that. But I think for the framework, we'll stick to tattoo artist for now. And then we'll work those other we'll work those other things in and and see how they all kind of relate to each other. When did you go into art in general? When did you you know when did you decide that you wanted to be an artist of some sort? The moment I started drawing on my dining room walls as a child, because <laughs> it never really stopped after that. I have memories of drawing we had like an oriental rug in my parents bedroom how many houses ago it was maybe like five and I would copy that and then I bring it down to them and be like look and they're like what is that I'm like it's your carpet (laughs) so I always banked on it so here here I am now did you did you have art classes in high school and things like that yeah, I actually went to Lehigh Valley Charter High School for the Arts, for visual arts. So we got classically trained in different mediums and history throughout our four years. Oh, really nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. What were some of, what were some of the, your, your favorite movements and, and artists? Oh, I really love the drama of Baroque because it's like theatrical and I love the theater. And they like enjoyed the, you're a part of the um, painting. I love impressionism for its color and movement. The German expressionists, they're really awesome and just do whatever they want. <laughs> it's kind of cool. I bits and pieces throughout history. Nice. Did you have a particular, did you have a particular teacher in at that high school that, that you kind of worked with or inspired you in some way? I think a lot of the teachers, as well as my classmates there, influenced me. Like, I know the one teacher I had in freshman year, Jason Horvath, he was really good with colors and pastels and really encouraged me to get into that. Roger Brinker was another one of our teachers, and he was really technical and amazing with anatomy. So that was inspiring. And 
Lori Reinhardt was our painting teacher and she had a really strong eye for detail and nuances of color and just gave really good painting advice. <laughs> when you were in high school, where did you want to go artistically? How did you envision your future? I didn't. <laughs> so doing that was really scary. I think I knew I wanted to do art. I wasn't sure what direction. I didn't want to go to to college for art because I thought I learned everything that I needed to know basics wise already. So I was kind of flailing around for a second and have an idea. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about that flailing. Like what was when you were toward the end of high school and after you get a high school, what was, you know, what was kind of going through your mind in terms of working in art and all that sort of thing? I don't know, because I knew I wanted to work with, at that time, I had been working on the, we had these humongous paintings of, I believe his name is Juan, and Evita from the play Evita. I did that with Lori and my other good friend, still tattooing with her now, on Areola. We had... I was doing those paintings so I really wanted to maybe do something in film I was like maybe I'll be a matte painter maybe I'll do which is like drawing in the digital stuff they have a lot of that in like Lord of the Rings maybe I'll do graphic design but nothing resonated with me so I kind of just went to college for generals hoping something there would spark it like I took a lot of random classes where did you go to school where did you go to college Northampton Community College, okay. right here in um, the Lehigh Valley. Okay. Did anything there help you, help push you in any one direction? It's hard to say because I, one of the pieces of advice that I was given was you're never stuck to just one job in your life. So that, <laughs> it, li it liberated me and also made everything way harder because I was like, okay, well, where do I start then if I can do anything? I knew I wanted to be tactile because I took a random pottery class. I knew I wanted to work with psychology because I had an amazing developmental psychology class with Stacy Hotch. So I don't know. It was to go into, I ended up going with culinary because my parents kind of suggested it. They were, they're like, hey, if you hate it, then at least you have a life skill. And so I kind of went into it, which was kind of strange because um, I never really cooked. I cooked for myself for a while because I didn't eat meat with like the rest of my family did. But I had no knowledge of this world. I never knew. I never thought about it once. So <laughs> what I dabble in all sorts of things and it it's liberating in some ways, but it's also a little, what do you really want to do? I've always, I'm still struggling with that. And someday I'll, someday I'll figure it out maybe, or maybe I'll just continue, you know, doing whatever I feel like doing in the moment and enjoying that too. So, so let's you see, you brought up the culinary arts and what was that training like? Really intense because most of the programs around, like, you know how they have CIA in New York or is it New Jersey? I don't remember, but that would be like a two-year program. That's what they normally are. Mine was a one-year and we learned everything super fast-paced as if the kitchen isn't fast-paced enough. But it was really cool because we learned it's science. It's really science and timing and budgeting and having all your ducks in a row your mise en place having everything in its place which ugh, the techniques that my chefs taught me translated back I could hear my art teachers talking to me at the same time for the same thing with the same weaknesses and the same with tattooing now it's 
<laughs> we, it's all the same to me in my head. I was going to ask that. What were some of the crossovers between the art education and the culinary education? And it seems like you've already sort of answered that, but is there anything in particular that you have brought into the, the visual art world that came you know, out of the culinary art world? Precision, I think time management, definitely like pricing. We did a whole class on, not that I do it exactly the same way, but I'm more conscious with it. My pricing, we had a whole breaking down this is what one cupcake will cost you at the end when you know I guess a lot of the mise en place too just having everything you need in front of you and arm's reach yeah because I guess if you have a person sitting there they're not going to be that you know I guess you know they're going to be pretty patient because it takes a long time but if you're oh I forgot something I've got to run off and hold on wait don't move I'll be I'll be <laughs> concerning for someone who is sitting there yeah like if you're tired they're probably more tired <laughs> so it's it's cool to have everything organized it's yeah I don't know the scene's kind of the same too the people you meet oh okay interesting yeah yeah I watch a lot of cooking shows and, I, and they do have a lot of tattoos for the most part so do you get a lot of you get a lot of people from the culinary world coming through and, and meeting them there not yet. I've only been, I'm still, I guess, apprenticing. It's been almost a year now that I've been tattooing. So I haven't gotten to everybody. Not too many. I run into random people who I met within like the college from culinary school, but not too many chefs yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. When you were, when you were cooking, was there something about the the your visual art experience that helped you cook as well? Because I mean, cooking is also kind of visual you know, when you're presenting the food to someone, how did that, how did that cross over? Yeah. One of the first things they tell you in culinary school is people eat with their eyes first, which is very true. <laughs> it could taste great, but if it looks like a pile of brown, nobody really wants to touch it, you know? So parts of that I saw, I would look at a dish and plating was a whole class segment that we had. And I think a lot of the crossover came in with that, especially when it came to desserts and stuff. We got to decorate the plates and they have a rule of three in culinary in the culinary world where three is like appetizing. It's pretty. You have like three little dots on the plate or you have two dots and a flower or and this is something I just came naturally because, you know, when you look at something or it has too much sprinkling of whatever on it, you know, you can what it should look like, I kind of have a grasp on it just from looking at beautiful things or ugly things. <laughs> I imagine you would have a bit of an advantage in that in that aspect of it. I mean, I can cook things, but for some reason they don't they don't look as pretty as like I see when you know I look at pictures professionals who do stuff. I can make something that I saw someone do, like a professional chef do on television. I can make the same thing, and it's really good and tasty. It just never is quite. <laughs> never quite looks the same and so I was just wondering if there was you know if if that really helped you in your in your culinary world as well yeah I think it's just to have an eye and not sharpened it's very attention to detail like some chefs even have 
tweezers to plate their food with. They're like these crazy long ones. I love them. They're cool. I remember the rule of threes from photography, you know, rule of three from photography. I remember it's it, in comedy. Rule of three is really important when you're doing, you know, theater and comedy and all that sort of thing or stand up to hear that this is also something in the culinary art is kind of interesting. Cool. The, the crossovers between arts is a lot more than people think. You just have to get over that hump of like being bad at it. <laughs> Once you get past that and you're like, well, I know this is going to suck for how long? <laughs> It'll get better. <laughs> Trust the process. <laughs> Did you, you cook then or have you, have you kind of moved away from that a little bit? I cook a lot actually I don't do extensive three course meals you know but I'll like I don't buy anything I try not to buy things that I just dump and eat <laughs> so it made living a lot cheaper and knowing how to do things quickly and just better for you while doing little to no effort <laughs> All right. All right. Let's talk about any art mentors or heroes that you might have had. We'll, we'll start with the heroes. You know, you'd, you'd sort of mentioned Impressionists and Baroque and all that sort of thing. Are there any artists in particular, they don't have to be from those periods, but are there any artists in particular whose lives you've studied and looked at how they go about their day, how they, you know, how they go about their work? Not that I can think of offhand. I've been trying to think of like who I would look to and stuff. Maybe just hearing from other artists that in history, how they talk about artists will have like a million paintings started at once, or they'll find a bunch that are unfinished. And right now I'm modeling for an artist, Dorian Vallejo, Vallejo. And it's cool to see his process and those artists process as I'm sitting there and I see time go by. I don't know. I think just everybody in the community that I interact with is kind of influential to me. I don't know of a hero though. Okay. All right. But I, would, do you have any uh, particular mentor then that you, that you, and, and we can go back to sort of, you know, you're relatively new at uh, being a tattoo artist. So is there, is there someone who you're like, Oh, I want to be, I want to be like that. Her name. I can't, I'll mention the handle later. I know her name is Anka, but she has amazing. They're like ethereal elven creatures that she does these botanical pieces that just really nicely shape the part of the body that she's working with and I heard that she uses like six different machines or something and a bunch of different needles because it's not just like a Jerry a sailor Jerry like one line you know it's it's really looks artful and it has depth to it and realism and she has some really amazing work which I aspire to have as well. So that's the direction you you kind you see yourself going in that direction. Oh, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Very good. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's cool because and- I was gonna say I was, like it's cool to see as time goes on. Uh, I find that classical art training has been translating into tattoos more recently than ever, and I'm not just talking like neoclassical looking pieces or new like newer versions of that, but just the techniques have gotten so many, like, I don't, you can tell when it's an artist looking at life versus what life just is, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, does anybody ask for like water, the water lilies or anything like that? Do they get like, say, can I, can you do Monet or Manet or anything, you know, along those lines? I hope and pray for those customers every day. 
<laughs> one day I feel like I will it's bound to but it's just not what the clientele who come to the shop ask for okay all right do you do you advertise what you the kinds of things that you are interested in so that people can find you and you know because there might be people who aren't in your area who are like ooh, you know I would really love to have that so how do you how do you bring people to to where you are well we have access to the shops Facebook and Instagram so that's kind of a platform to share but also on my own Instagram is where I mainly share things sunny space babe is my handle I have I usually try to put tags at the bottom of the picture or like tag where I am in Bethlehem you know just always posting my ideas which isn't a traditional flash sheet to show people what I want to do but I'm just drawing every day so I might as well just show you what I want to do and hope somebody like messages me that they want that yeah I think people would what is your schedule like how do you, you say you draw every day what how do you schedule your day usually like you want from when I wake up so yeah Okay. Yeah, so I'll usually try to, I really try to organize that I have time for myself to just breathe and I'll, I'll like quick breakfast, whatever, go for a walk and then I'll come back and try to journal some stuff, like prep myself for the day. And then I live like a minute from where I work, <laughs> which is awesome. So I'll just walk up there and then just start drawing stencils until like my client of the day gets there and that's from like 10 30 until 6 5 36 and then after that I'll go home and either work on a commission or sometimes sometimes soon I should be starting up on my muraling again I have a whole nother chunk of my day left to play with so <laughs> clients do you usually work on a day it could range from one person to three people okay but the maximum would probably be three people yeah because you don't have that many hours and like the, the work day and usually tattoos can range from like one hour to four hours or five sometimes it is the whole day if it's yeah, like I went to the uh, the website for the the shop that you work at and I saw that they charged by the hour you know and I saw that it went from you know a one hour tattoo to about a four or five hour tattoo I can't remember have you have you done a four hour tattoo over that yeah wow so <laughs> was that? a champion <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were both champions. I mean, you're there for you're there for four hours. Yeah, I have a, a picture of it towards the end of the night too. I did a whole leg piece on my good friend Kelsey, and we did all these different botanicals. We have ivy, we have lavender. There were like little mushrooms by her ankle. We had a little section where bees are. We had like this whole piece set up, and we maybe started around like eleven. She got there placed everything on and then maybe it was after nine that we almost finished we have like that much left to go but yeah it was a really long day <laughs> it's totally worth it though you don't notice so it has to be good yeah I mean I mean that's it's you know permanent and there's a lot of detail to to go into it so yeah I get that let's see I'm very fascinated by this I'm losing I've lost track of my my questions here when when you we're sort of deciding to be an artist. You you mentioned your parents were so, sort of like, well, why don't you learn to cook so you have this this skill? How comfortable were they with you studying art? Well, they they also pushed going to the art high school. I was just going to go to public because my friends went to public school. I've always been to private, so 
they're like no how about we do this <laughs> why don't you go to art school so I did that they I don't know they've never gave me any doubts about not being able to do something because growing like school is just never my thing I was really bad at it I got tested and everything it was just like I don't know it just isn't for me so that's why I always thought about art they're like oh she's an artist oh you got d's c's oh yeah well you're an artist so <laughs> so they were so they're pretty early supporters in in you finding your finding your path through art mm -hmm. that's kinda... I think me too them and me were like banking on it <laughs> it's working <laughs> okay and we talked a little already about your about your style have you already kind of developed a a style that that we you know that we would recognize as Sarah's uh, style if we saw if I saw it on the street somewhere I saw somebody go, um, back and I go oh my god that's that's Sarah's <laughs> I can't wait for that moment maybe I I did a few murals and I did a few menu boards and I tend to have the same font for them so maybe maybe <laughs> the one that I did in our tattoo studio has a similar font to the one I did at this restaurant called Tulum um, on Southside Bethlehem so maybe or and not too far off from the menu board I did at Hotel Bethlehem so I guess if you know, you know, but if you don't, then I'm not upset. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, eventually, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm assuming eventually, you know, if you keep going in the tattoo world, that'll be, you know, that will be something like people will go to you for a particular thing that you, that you're, you know, that would be your specialty. And I was, you know, I was wondering if, if you could kind of see that starting to form yet, or if you figure you're still experimenting and still, you know, kind of looking for your, you know, artistic voice, let's say. Yeah, I think I am because with learning a new medium, like tattooing, it's just like a new pen to me, kind of. I, I guess I'm getting inspired by, I was always really into the Art Nouveau period, like the 60s posters, how they're all swirly and Alphonse Mucha and really elegant line work and ladies and all that fun stuff. So I think That'll probably be the direction I'm gonna go, regardless of if I get more stylized or more realistic. I think I'm always gonna have like a nature lady arabesque theme to whatever I do. Do you if that makes sense? <laughs> it made me think of something else. So anatomy, is that something that you have to understand in terms of in terms of doing uh, tattoo work? I think so. Yeah. Um it helps a lot, if one with placing the tattoo and also in if you want to start drawing people in your tattoos for the placement, I guess, just knowing what's going to be sensitive on the person, what if they're, it's a first time tattoo, maybe tell them don't get it on their wrist or their ankle, <laughs> you know what I mean, like sensitive spots or I don't know when it comes to drawing the person on the body, like the figure tattoo knowing where the lights and darks go to give it that look that the client wants so it doesn't look do you, <laughs> do you use the client's body at all in what you what you're creating how do you mean like if they have a particular i don't know particular shape or if they're if they want it in a particular place do you use their anatomy in what you're doing do you kind of visualize like if you're gonna i i, I don't even know what i'm talking about but if you're i know what you mean though <laughs> i get it yeah i guess i do so if you want like something on your shoulder i try to take into consideration the space in between what's left of the outside of that shoulder shape 
and the image itself. So maybe try to do something more oval and more circular. Whereas if it's over like by the collarbones or the shoulders, to try to like fit it in where it just so sits underneath the collarbone or somewhere that's snug behind the ear, but looks like it could be a part of you. You live with it. You kind of it grows off of you, you're one with it. Like, I don't know, I even think about with the ones I have on my wrists, how they just, it kind of follows and flows, you know? Organic nature to to what you're doing, right? At least what you have, at least what I can see in, you know, on your- Yeah, <laughs> that's eventually the, the goal for my work on my body and to give to other people too, whether that be even just if, just if they want like a knife on their forearm or I say just, I don't mean just, <laughs> you know, whatever the client wants. <laughs> I want to make it look like it's part of them and it's, it belongs on them, not just sticker on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any tattoos because I don't think like, I, I like, I don't even have any idea what would belong on me or, or, or anything that I'd want to keep for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you just have to say, I'm, why not? Or what ephemeral. if? I'm just, a, no, I'm pretty ephemeral as a person. So like, I, like, you know, I have no permanence at all or attachment to anything. So, so that's, you know, that's my, that's my, my big issue is that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not that attached. I don't want that on me. <laughs> yeah. That's, I guess you, that's the extreme that either gets them or doesn't though. It's like people either want them to be a death date commemorating something or they're like, yeah, I just really like hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I think you know I think they look amazing but I just can't I, I can't even fathom or something like important enough to to do that so so you know I'll just I'll just I'll have stuff put on the wall I'll just you know yeah can, <laughs> it's a good start <laughs> I can paint over it right like you know I got painted over that like I don't know how many times so you know and so yeah I was wondering so COVID I imagine has been particularly hard on tattoo artists how has it affected what you do it actually got me the job that I do now, ironically enough, because before that I was working two different kitchen jobs, um, one at Veg Out, uh, which is a vegan place right here in Bethlehem, and then one at Kome Fine Japanese Cuisine. And because of COVID, I was like not getting any work at all. And then come towards the tail end, I was muraling. And then through that muraling job, my friend hired me to work as one of the tattoo artists. So it's this big blessing in disguise that I kind of went down the path that I did because I could feel myself getting tired of a kitchen world. So it was like really good timing. Yeah. It's an, uh, yeah. The kitchen world I imagine is super stressful. And just the, this, like you said earlier, the speed has got to be somewhat, somewhat overwhelming. So, so if someone comes in for a tattoo, what, what do you have to do in terms of COVID protections sort of thing? You usually get their temperature taken at the door. And from there, everybody has masks on all day. We take all the normal precautions that everybody kind of does. <laughs> we don't have too many people in the room. Granted, our studio is very big and spacious. So it's, we can have all of our tattooers working and still be within distance from everybody so with uh, you haven't been there for that long then do other people talk about the amount of traffic that they're getting now is it uh, decreased is it starting do you see it starting to increase now I think so yeah because uh, people especially with all the stimulus 
stimulus checks coming in and no, they don't know what to do with themselves. So they're like, yeah, I'll just kind of attach you. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> please. Right. So it, I think it's been picking back up. I wish I knew what it was like beforehand to grasp a change, but I have no idea. Yeah, but I guess, you know, I guess it works out for you. Like you got a sort of slow introduction to it. And now I imagine things will be picking up more as there are fewer and fewer restrictions. So where do you hope to go from here then? I really, well, ideally I want to, like my friend lives out in San Diego. So I wanted to join her in doing that. But signing the contract that I'm under now, I had to be there two years. So I'm just soaking this up to build up a resume and everything. And like myself as an artist and I don't know, baking on all my past experiences that I have, I'll find whatever job comes to me when I get there. And yeah, imagine being a tattoo artist. <laughs> there are, there are, you know, places all over the country that you could go and, and, and work at and, you know, work your way around the country if you wanted to, but you want to head to, uh, to San Diego and uh, or just that would be West coast somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So it's warm. It's nice. So one of the things that the that the podcast tries to do is explore your journey. And I think we, we, we talked a little bit about that. We talked about your education and we talked about your journey through, you know, through art, culinary arts, going into tattoo uh, artistry and all that sort of thing. And, you know, I hope that people will find some points of commonality in their own lives and be able to use, you know, your, some of your experiences to maybe find something that they, you know, are interested in. What advice would you give people who are interested in being, and you, you don't have to restrict it to just being a tattoo artist. You can, you know, you can include any kind of visual arts or even, or even the culinary arts if you want. I think just don't be, don't get discouraged when you're faced with an obstacle that you've never encountered before, or if you totally fail and it wrecks your day. Like you have to just keep going and trying and giving it your all. Cause then at least at the end of the day, you can say you tried and you did it and you usually get something out of it too. So it doesn't matter what you want to pursue, whether that is art, whether that is cooking, whether it is tattoos, whatever, just keep, like sticking with it. Don't be your own, you're your own worst critic, you know? So don't listen. <laughs> Are you your own worst critic? Oh, always. I am my biggest cheerleader. So it's like this constant back and forth in my head. <laughs> you, you'd mentioned, you mentioned obstacle. Is there an obstacle in particular that you faced and, and were able to overcome that might be helpful for people? I'm trying to think of one. <laughs> I feel like I had a lot. I think that was like the biggest one. I was always last for everything. I'm always, it takes me that much longer to get something done. It always is like, it feels like everyone's so much faster with than me on picking stuff up. And so I really just have to like, I had to understand and accept myself for learning the way I learn and just keep going with it. I guess that would be my biggest struggle is just that and believing in myself and doing it, which <laughs> it feels like it's working. I've I tell myself that, you know, work. Well, I mean, I've seen your, I've seen your Instagram page and it looked, you know, it seems it clearly is working. So <laughs> my suggestion though is just to keep going because you're, you, you do amazing work. And so, thank you. <laughs> you know, I am hoping someday I will be able to recognize a Sarah Fiedler when I, when I see one on the streets or someone walking by and, you know, all that sort of thing. 
So that's uh, so that's good. And that's and, and I think that's I think that's important advice too for people. We all have different ways of learning. We all have different ways of experiencing the world and to kind of find your path, you know, is is, is, is really the important thing. Mm -hmm. You can't judge your own path versus somebody else's next to you, because if they're not, if you're comparing yourself to one thing, they're probably struggling in how many others and don't see what you're envying right there. Everybody has their, has their own thing. So you can't, you can't compare. <laughs> That's true. And I've talked about, we've talked about this a couple of times on the show. If you, if you compare yourself to someone who's been in the business for however many years, you're just not going to be at that same level. But if you go back, mm -hmm. if you go back and sort of like, let's say you have a, you know, a famous artist that you think is amazing or something like that, you go back and read about the, you know, how they got started. It was usually a struggle that they had to, and that, you know, there were things they had to overcome in their own lives and they weren't that good. <laughs> to begin. Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's got a learning curve. And when we do face those struggles to recognize that everybody goes through this, and it's the people who just kind of keep keep going through it are the people who are going to be successful. It's true. I've, I don't remember who told me this, but it was maybe they noticed it and told me about it. But it's not the people who are good at what they do that get popular. It's the ones that are continuously producing work and continuously pursuing their art authentically and just doing it. And I kept that in my head a lot, too, how... If it doesn't matter. Just show it off. Just do it. Because everyone who takes it for granted and doesn't go into it kind of lose it. It's true. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, that's good. All right. Well, I think we've done it. I think we've had. I. I think you know we've we've done the the advice bit at the end here, and and I think that, and so thank you so much for being here. This was this was great fun. <laughs> it was. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. It was. A <laughs> a pleasure and i look Likewise. forward to looking at you know I, i'm gonna and i follow you now on instagram so i will be looking and seeing uh, what you're up to artistically from here on out awesome i'll, I'll be doing the same <laughs> all right well enjoy the rest of your evening and hopefully i'll see you soon or talk to you again soon surely yeah have a good night <laughs> you too all right bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.